Hello, and welcome to the Old Farm Bus Podcast. This is the Back of the Bus Session. Hello, and welcome to the Old Farm Bus Back of the Bus Sessions Podcast. It's really hot today, so if you can hear a little noise in the background, I've just been and bought two new fans, and I've got two new fans in front of me. Right, I didn't plan that, it just came no. to be. Thank you, universe. Genius. <laughs> welcome to the Old Farm Bus. Jess and Nick. Yay! <laughs> Thank you for having us. How are we doing, guys? Really good. A bit hot, but it, loving loving being here. It's warm, isn't it? It's very but warm. But it's, it's beautiful. Have you been waiting for this? Absolutely. <laughs> now, can I get you to introduce your own businesses? Because sometimes I fluff it up for people's businesses, and I know it's important. <laughs> Let's get this right. Jess, what's your business? So... I am a empowerment coach for highly sensitive women and we'll probably go through what that means a bit later on but I mostly help women break free from burnout Mm -hmm. from perfectionism from overworking um, and help them thrive in their sensitive superpowers I call it sensitive Um, superpowers yes yes. so yeah I work with people one-to-one I've got group empowerment programs um and yeah just i've been doing it now since what will it be april 21 um so yeah it's been the most incredible nearly year and a half and yeah that's that's me in a little nutshell. i'm excited about this because <laughs> the superpower thing you know i go into lots of schools we have kids work here and there's just so many labels that they mm. put on themselves and i did as a kid yeah. uh, dyslexic adhd did and yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. What does that mean? Yes. And they're like, I can't, mm. I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm like, okay, hang on. What what can you do though? What do you do differently? And yes. then we're like, okay, how is this a superpower? So I'm really excited to hear how you've reinvented that. That's Amazing. awesome. And Nick. Hey, Michael. What's how your you doing, game? It's nice to see you, Nick. I know. Mate. I, I, I know. wanted to spend a bit more time with you after we met. So yeah, yeah tell too, us mate. your business, and then we're going to really get inside each other's minds. So I am a highly sensitive man. Um, my business is Nick Edgar Coaching, NLP and Hypnotherapy. So I predominantly work with men who really want to transform themselves and their lives. They've come to a point where they feel stuck. They know there's something inside them, potential-wise, that they haven't reached yet. And they might have hidden it for years. They might even be ashamed of it or worried about what it could be. And I helped them to explore that to become comfortable with it compassionately and then start to experiment with it Mm. and start to grow and potentially become the man that they know they can be deep down oh i'm I'm excited about this episode genuinely so highly sensitive people Mm. yeah can is it good then to differentiate the men and women in highly sensitive and do they act differently so do you want me to go next yeah Yeah. i'll go with so Highly sensitive is essentially a personality trait. So it's not something we're going to go and get clinically diagnosed in the doctors. It's a personality trait that one in five of us have, um, men and women. Mm. Um, And it's an innate trait. So it was coined by Dr. Elena Ron in the 90s. So it's still fairly in its infancy, especially with the research. But it's essentially a depth of processing sensitivity Mm. so how we process our environment the stimuli that we're around so we're more sensitive to like lights smells sounds um we feel things incredibly deeply um but it 
we see this trait in animals so when we think of like the animals that can sense threat for the rest of the pack let's say Mm. that's what we have so we can pick up vibes energy we can walk into a room and sense things Mm. a lot deeper right um and yeah it's something that i think not everyone will be aware of because i don't think the term necessarily highly sensitive lands for people straight away Mm. um but we are just yeah for me personally my trait shows up in i let's say i'm watching like the news or some or i'm hearing someone's story about what they've been through or i'm watching red nose day comic relief i will feel such overwhelming emotion i will probably cry a lot Mm. um so i'm i'm very sensitive in that way in terms of like how i feel i feel the world's pain at the moment for example um during lockdown i found that particularly challenging and yeah i think like for me personally light Mm. I'm very sensitive to light so at the moment my energy is quite low and my eyes are really like I feel a lot of pain in my eyes so I have to be like very mindful of the light in the house I don't have main lights on for example it's like low light or candles um and I'll let Nick kind of explain how his high sensitivity guest shows up for me yeah so for me as a male it's a slightly different experience there's many commonalities I think for me the biggest thing and especially when I look back at my whole life, it's the strength of emotions that I feel. And as a man, and, and a younger man, and even as a kid, what that would mean for me as a male. So when I feel anger, I probably feel anger a lot more viscerally than someone that isn't highly sensitive. So that kind of male-female traits, if you like, I will feel exactly as Jess expressed, but the more common male traits more sensitively Jess is visual but I'm more audio mm. so for example mm. if I am in a restaurant um, and me and Jess are having a conversation if someone drops a, a plates on the floor and everyone starts cheering that is all I can hear and then it will ring in my ears afterwards mm. for a while mm. while we continue to try and have a conversation so there's also things I have to manage with it as well as it being that empathetic, being able to tune, being able to meet people where they are Mm -hmm. and feel that, that's more of the superpower. Wow, okay. Now, Jess, I'm gonna go with you here then. Mm -hmm. At what age did you realize this was who you are? Yeah. And how were you confronted with people when you were trying to articulate this to them? Well, I'll say that I lived 35 years, 36 years of my life not knowing I was highly sensitive. Seriously? Yeah. So, would it help to give you a bit of background? I really, t- yeah. I mean, we're on a podcast yeah. and this podcast goes as long as we want. Yeah, so amazing. you can really get into the nitty gritty meaty side of it. Yeah. And the same with Nick. We'll yeah. just go to the cause. Great stuff. Mm. So, so where do I start? <laughs> Take us back. Back, 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 back. <laughs> so, in, in, in childhood... Um, I, I had a lovely, I had a lovely, lovely childhood, but looking back in, in retrospect, my dad suffered a lot with his mental and emotional health. He was in and out of psychiatric care, struggled with addiction. My mum then picked up work. So she was very much like 
having to overwork she was burning out all the time um uh both of them would would put their hands up and say they numbed out a lot because of the stress of what they were navigating um with with drink so it was very kind of especially for for my mum it was very kind of work hard and then you just relax you just do whatever you need to do just to chill out so um I didn't obviously know as an infant I was highly sensitive but I can tell that because my parents weren't necessarily able to hold me in my big emotions and my sensitivity I learned quite early on to wear masks to to kind of protect myself mm. so um I learned to caretake for everyone else's emotional needs so I looked after my dad but also looked after the whole family's like emotions I looked after my little sister who is probably well definitely highly sensitive but would show her emotions a lot more than me so I learned to put my emotions to one side because I subconsciously thought that wasn't helping my parents mm. so I became quite tough and the strong one and the independent one and um, developed like um, codependency mm-hmm. which happens a lot I think to children of um, parents with addiction or people that had to look after people physically and, and, and with their health and yeah through my whole life you know I would attract people that needed that emotional support um, so I'd caretake in every aspect whether it was work in romantic relationships friendships um, I developed perfectionism um, and overworking um, I was a very high achiever mm. so even in like my late teens when as a family we we experienced some incredibly traumatic things um, and we lost a couple of family members I still went to the best university I went and studied psychology because I wanted to understand what was going on for my family mm. Um, I'm a very cognitive person, so I know all the theory. I, you know, uh, I like to understand what's going on, um, and I always had a a pull to help other people at that point. Like I, I thought I might go into um, counselling or or become a therapist, but when I left university, my dad was incredibly ill again, so I just kind of put that all to one side and 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 looked after him, and the work route I went down was the corporate world. I went into recruitment. Mm. So um, I mainly worked in education recruitment because I loved working with teachers and head teachers and TAs and stuff. Um, but with that became came a lot of pressure. There was a lot of like having to um, uh, show results and make sales and I, I, I thrived in it. I did very well, but it in hindsight wasn't very good for my sensitivity you know mm. there was a lot of loud personalities a lot of sound a lot of bright lights you know why the offices were just so poorly lit but like you know it just it probably fed into my pain body and the trauma that I'd been through just to keep busy don't face anything and mm. it, I too went very work hard play hard so it would be like work hard you know do really well go down the pub mm. repeat repeat so I learnt to hide my emotions and push everything down with alcohol. So, you know, there was t- certain periods of my life where, you know, I could easily sink a bottle of red a night just to night. be able to just to be able to go to sleep. Wow. Um, and on the face of it, everyone's like, Oh, you're sunshine. They used to always call me sunshine, like, you're so smiley, you, you know, and I, that was my front. Uh. You know? Um, and I did this until I couldn't do it anymore. So in 2017 I was out working in New York actually I'd been sent out to New York to recruit um, a leadership team for this events company 
on Instagram, it looked like I was living my best life, you yeah. know, living in Brooklyn, working in Manhattan. I was having my dark night of the soul. I was so depressed. I was having the darkest of thoughts. Um, I was get. I mean, New York is amazing when you're in a good place. It's really challenging if you're not, because, yeah, what you're, what you have access to, if you have a certain kind of way about you, is not going to serve you. So I, you know, it was like, the city that never sleeps. Mm. Everyone's out drinking and doing whatever. And actually, um, yeah, I had to come back to the UK. I, everything fell apart. Relationship fell apart. I was living on my mum's couch. Um, with like the biggest suitcase I've ever seen with my whole life in it and I was like 35 um, just going well what do I do now but that's where my whole life changed for the better like the only way was up for me and I got very deep into the work into understanding my codependency how this was playing out in relationships um, how I was just constantly burning out every six months at work um, why I was drinking, the way I was drinking, um, and yeah, moved uh, moved up to Nottingham. Met Nick probably a year after that, um, and yeah, it was around then that I found out about high, highly sensitive. It was through watching a documentary called Sensitive: The Untold Story, mm. and it was by a Dr. Lena Ron who coined the term. Um, and it featured Alanis Morissette, my oh, absolute yeah. hero, who is a highly sensitive person. And now when I listen to her lyrics, I'm like, oh Ooh. my God, I really can mm. see that now. Do I need to go back and revisit a bit more? Jagged little Mar pill, get it on. Okay. You know? But yeah, it, it, every lyric spoke to me. And I think that's another thing as well. Like music for highly yes. sensitive people is so huge. If you feel every single lyric and it speaks to your soul, <laughs> you know, it might be highly sensitive. But, um, but yeah, I watched that documentary and just well burst into tears as per but it was like oh my god someone sees me like I'm not alone I'm not broken like I, it showed me that I have a superpower and I could start to be a bit more vulnerable because mm. someone said to me the other day actually funnily enough who was looking to work with me and she went but I don't think I'm highly sensitive and I said oh okay tell me why and she said um because I hold all my emotions in. And I was like, let's chat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Let's but peel yeah. these layers. <laughs> because that was me. <laughs> and I think when people hear the term highly sensitive, it's easy to be like, oh, wallflower. Yeah. You know, highly sensitive. Actually, no, I wasn't. I was very strong. I have very strong protector parts that are tough girl and ice queen. And that is because I wasn't allowed to be highly sensitive in childhood. I wasn't allowed to be authentically me. And that wasn't just because of my parents. That was probably because of society and maybe my teachers. And do you see what I mean? Yeah. So I just learned to push that down. But it really did change my life. It, it just, yeah, it's why I'm known as a highly sensitive coach because we do have the most incredible superpowers. I genuinely believe that like high, highly sensitive people can change the world. Mm. We could be the best leaders. Like the world needs this trait. And I want to go more into that story. We'll, we'll get on to you, Nick. But w when you say you had sort of an epiphany or yeah. a pivotal moment, what happened there? Was it literally that documentary that sent you into this world? Or when you went back to your mum's, you had that big mm. suitcase? Did something happen there where you went, I've got to genuinely change the trajectory of my life soon? I think I've always known it. 
I think it's just been like this, this, these little ambers that have just been enabled to be a fire later on in my life. So I think like when, when I was in and out of psychiatric care for my dad, you know, there was something in them. It was like, this doesn't seem right. I want to help these people. Like what is going on for them really? Like it was, it was heartbreaking to watch. Um, and then I think going to uni and studying psychology, there was this real desire of like, I want to really help people. But what I was never able to do at that time was to show that same empathy to myself. Mm. And, you know, I would cry for the world, but I'd never cry for me. Mm. I'd, I, I'd learned to cognitively wire my brain to think positively as a survival mechanism. Mm. So like, I'd always be like, well, other people have it worse, Jess, you know? keep going like it you know be stoic everyone has it worse um and that's been what I've had to unravel so I think I've always wanted to change the world but I just didn't have the I didn't have the self-belief I didn't have the confidence like yeah my worthiness was on the floor like, and tools to do so yeah, exactly you mentioned codependency mm. how did that manifest what were you experiencing so with codependency um it is suggested that it, it can manifest if you have looked after people with addiction. And what it does is you slowly start to subconsciously attach your worth to serving other people. Right. So you then might fall into, let's say, romantic relationships where that partner might be an addict or they might have mental or emotional health problems. But the, the part that really shook me when I realised about codependency was the word manipulative, oh, yeah. where actually it can turn quite toxic and you're, you wanting to save and fix everyone is actually really not helpful for you or that other person. Mm. And it's subconsciously manipulative, like you're finding environments where you can save and fix. Um, Mm. it's quite a it's a long term like um behavior to break like so I, yeah i did some work recently uh, character development work and one of the big ones of mine was a people pleaser yeah and yeah. this guy paul cope has been on this podcast incredible guy um but i was like well that's good isn't it people pleaser i'm just trying to help people do he goes okay but you've also you don't like manipulators you wrote that down what's a people pleaser doing you want people to like you yeah. you're manipulating their thoughts you're manipulating their perception of you yeah that's a manipulation in its essence and i was like oh my god i'm not being an authentic human yeah. i'm just doing acts to make them feel and think a certain way about me yeah that was a that was a cut right deep but it's really helped me yeah in life be conscious of the decisions i'm making the actions i'm doing yeah. am i doing this for them am i doing it for me yeah how authentic is this movement so yeah that's that's a really interesting conversation and yeah. could fix a lot of people yeah. just tuning in a little bit more and bringing that unconscious conscious exactly and it's I think you said that before nick i, I think, think i've yeah. learned that from you mate. <laughs> i think you might have no no it's yours man oh, <laughs> i love that yeah i've, I've learned a lot from this man here <laughs> oh so, so have i so yeah. have i still every day but yeah, people pleasing is a massive part of what we we both do for people. It, um, and and like you say, it's really confronting when you first face mm. our behaviours and our actions and how that's linked to our our subconscious beliefs and mind. And um, yeah, it can feel brutal at times, can't it? The work when you start unraveling everything and be like, oh, and oh my the word. interesting thing is though, then you can create a polarity 
where then you don't do anything for anyone yeah. because you're like, I've been told this, so now I've got to act like this. Yeah. But it's finding that beautiful nuance within it, isn't it? And that 100%. balancing factor. Absolutely. Where you can go, oh, okay, I'm in this situation. I feel I maybe I'm people pleasing, but the fact that I'm conscious of it, mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. I've, yeah. I've got enough understanding around this situation that I'm willing to give that. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. I think that's important. It really, really does. Absolutely. And I think for both me and Nick, it was really important that we recognise where people pleasing was showing up because, yeah. especially for codependency, it would be incredibly dangerous for me to be a coach. Mm wanting to help people and then subconsciously attaching my self-worth to their outcome okay because it's up to our clients to do the work yeah but if i'm not aware of my subconscious behaviors and beliefs it can be incredibly dangerous so obviously we are both both always heavily invested in our own growth and in our own healing because i i I owe that to myself first but to everyone that i serve you know well Jess, you've just got the tick. You're an awesome yes. human. <laughs> I really like you a lot. Oh, <laughs> so that's, did that, that, that's sealed. Let's, let, <laughs> let's, oh, turn, no, pressure's on let's turn to our man, Nick. Yes, mate. Highly sensitive. Have you always been this way, this trait? You've carried it out through childhood. And when did you discover it? Let's go for your breakdown, mate. So the discovering it, similar to Jess, was fairly recently. I didn't know it was a thing, really. When I reflect on my life all the way back to my earliest memories, I now view them through that lens Mm. and they make far more sense to me. So I'll give you a couple of examples from being a really younger child. My parents, I would sense when something was off with them and I'd say, what's wrong? And when kids say that to parents, parents' response generally is like, nothing, it's fine. Everything's fine. Mum and daddy just talking or whatever. And it's like, and I have a memory right now as I'm talking to you of me feeling, no, everything's not all right. Mm. So that was to really play a big part of the first sort of 40 years where my intuition that was naturally there, my high sensitivity that was naturally there as a really young person, I learned to mistrust it in all sorts of environments. There's three main things for me growing up that were a big part of my life there was Catholic Church do this be this or you're sinning and you're going to go to hell that's quite a lot yeah that's to pressure. have in one way or another my parents were teachers and my dad well for both of them put me in the same school as my dad was teaching I don't know why teachers do that, but it's quite common. Really? So if there any teachers out there just that have kids in the school, I'd just be wary. Um, and the reason why that had a big am- impact on me, because I saw my dad in a professional environment, joking, laughing, a great teacher. Everybody looked up to him, respected him. He ran the football team. He was great. But at home, he was so miserable and he was so angry. And that duality of experience of oh so this is what you're really like but I'm seeing you like this why can't I see you like this at home Mm. and that stuck with me throughout the third thing that came into my life as a younger person that was football right so very quickly I got noticed as being a good footballer and my high sensitivity played a part in that I was a really good striker because I could anticipate what was going to happen before anyone else because I could feel it I could feel if I make this run here and that ball comes where I hope it's going to come, bang, I'm going to get a shot. 
Mm. And it's all, it's all subconscious. But that was a real big part. By the time Spurs picked me up at 10 years old, I remember one of the first games that I went to and I'm sitting in the change room and I'm nervous, just like probably every other kid was there. And I can hear the two coaches. There's kids yapping away that are much louder, but I can hear the two coaches going, we don't have a left back. And I said, when they came around, where'd, where'd you play? Came to me, where'd you play? I said, left back. I never played there in my life. But I did it because I wanted to please. And, and I wanted to stay at Spurs. And I wanted to be a footballer so badly that all the environments that I were in, home environment, school environment, football, were all trying to mould me into what they thought a successful, potentially successful person would be. But naturally, I sat so far outside of that that very quickly I developed those people-pleasing tendencies. Mm. So as I went through puberty and adolescence, I, I, I said to my dad after I'd been at Spurs for, for about a year, I said, I don't want to go here anymore. You know, there's 50 kids here. The coaches don't even know my name really. Like I, I'm just not enjoying it. I didn't feel connected. I didn't feel part of it. I tried being at Luton, that didn't work. Um, the ages of 14 to 18 within football, off the back of everything else, like I, I genuinely had faith as a young kid, as a Catholic, but I began to question, this doesn't feel right. At home with my dad, that didn't feel right. Football saying, you must have a haircut like this and I'm going to coach you to play this way. Whereas naturally I might have wanted to do something different. Okay, I'm going to do that to please you. Yeah. All of these things all coming together in such a way that who I was naturally didn't seem to actually be able to express himself so I pushed all of that emotion down all of that upset down all of it down so that by the time I spent three years at Watford and came to 16 when they released me it was just absolutely heartbreaking mm. I did get picked up by Reading went to play for, for Reading left school did an apprenticeship with them six weeks into pre-season my knee went so that's another knock Mm. the football culture was something that was a shock to me things like initiations which you get in all sports teams that kind of thing was a real shock to me um, but again pushed all that emotion down like I can't show it if I show it they'll take the mick out of me and they did when I showed it which just proved well I can't show my emotions then I've got to push them down I've got to try and express them secretly and there was an incident that happened to me um, when I was at Reading, uh, I'd got over the injury in eight months, started, started my second season there and, and we're, there was a pre-season friendly going on and um, I hope I'm alright to say this. So the couple of the, the lads that were the kind of real bullies within that youth team, they were urinating into the, the teapot wow, is and I thought I, I, I need wow. their approval, I need their approval um, and I did the same but as I was doing it, the first team coach walked in the door and saw me do it and I got sacked from my contract. And I remember being in Mark McGee's office, sat there the following morning, thinking, oh, well, the other lads are going to stand up for me. They're going to say, oh, we did it as well. I'm going to get out of this. I'm going to get out of this team spirit. This is what all this banter it's, yeah. what it's all for. No one said a word. And, and I was just, I felt like the whole world was just against me. Yeah. Like, I couldn't explain how I was feeling because I'd never expressed my feelings. It just kept pushing it down, kept pushing it down. Then, ultimately, 
I sacked football off. I just I played some non-league at Stevenage for a year or two while I was doing my, my sick form. But that was when I started drinking and that was when I started smoking weed. And that was when I started replacing the feeling of walking around pretty much every day, not experiencing my emotions with that numbing out high. Mm. And that was beautiful. Mm. It was like a release. Mm. It really was. And I probably, cutting a, a long, <laughs> an already longer story shorter, probably spent the vast majority of the next 20 years numbing out yeah didn't like reality at all no I couldn't deal with it because I, I didn't know how to express myself it, it was only when really when I was at one of my lowest ebbs that I decided to go to my GP got referred to therapy and that was probably the first environment I felt I could express myself authentically and safely and that took quite a long time and then out of that came um self-expression through writing and then came lyrics and then came singing which was something going right back to primary school that I love to do but I didn't do it because all the other boys took the mickey out of me for singing wow so for me most of my 30s certainly the second half of my 30s and now my 40s have really been spent trying to heal and develop the self-confidence to be myself mm. to express myself authentically to not people please if people disagree with me and I've had a lot of support and help with that a lot of therapy I've worked with coaches I've done a hell of a lot of reading and, and I've been willing to take on ideas that are meaningful to me over time that maybe the rest of the world wouldn't necessarily take on quite so easily mm. um, okay so with being a highly sensitive man, mm. did you feel weakness when you had to accept that at the start? Well, I think it, initially, yeah. I, the question I constantly ask me is, what is wrong with me? Yeah. Why do I not want to be like these other lads? Why, why can I not fit into this team and this sport? Because I'm good at it and I yeah. want to be part of it. But there was just the equal power within me was saying equally powerfully was saying but I want to do it as me but I can't do it as me I'm so scared and I think the sensitivity part of that was I was just feeling those emotions so much stronger than maybe someone that isn't highly sensitive mm. I just couldn't cope and I didn't know what was happening okay so is the brain neurodiverse is it is it wired differently mm. is it the nurture and nature conversation that comes up a lot yeah do you know much about that and yeah. where yeah what yeah. is this so it's innate we're born with it and we can't get rid of it it is we are wired a little bit differently there is still a lot of research happening about neurodiversity a lot of people go oh is it similar to autism and, it, and it's not there are some similarities when you hear about it but actually no it's very separate it's a personality trait but one thing i didn't mention earlier is you know we have incredibly sensitive nervous systems mm. and i think this is where I find it fascinating when you're thinking about things like anxiety, depression, mm. mental and emotional struggles. Mm. It really makes me think, is that because my nervous system just is more sensitive than the rest of the world? Yeah. And it's a, it's a genetic programming then. Like, yeah. Do they know what, what part of it to, to break down the brain? Is it like the, I know the frontal lobe, does that um, develop differently or any? I wouldn't feel confident to to talk about that side of Do, it. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm not that scientific. However, um, 
the ways that I've probably invested a lot in it is understanding the emotional mm. side and how it affects like our um, there's a gentleman called Paul Gilbert mm. who talks about emotional regulation systems um, and we both do a lot of work around this and, and how we can understand like what systems are we sitting in most of the time so um, you know a lot of us as highly sensitive people will sit in our threat system it's that fight flight freeze fawn mm. fawn being the people pleasing yeah so it is it is like a, a threat response people pleasing okay um and um a lot of people say it, it, it can be related to trauma as well like it's it's absolutely fascinating but we've also got systems and we've got our affiliative system which is like our our soothing system our self-care system that like calming inner voice mm. um and then you've got the drive system which is really important for like motivation and taking action and forward motion um, I I sit a lot in my drive, don't I? Mm. Yeah. We're, we're and we're opposite. So, yeah. for example, as highly sensitive as spending time in that threat, whereas Jess will go into drive. Mm. She spoke about high achievement, and, mm. and that's her way of coping, taking mm. action. I will always seek my affiliative system and safety, mm. and non-action. Okay. Yeah. And and that's that's just a slight. We're both highly sensitive, but we choose different paths naturally. Yeah. And that's how we've coped with the trauma in our life going back to the point that you made about is it genetic is it I, I think it can partly be because but I think a lot of this let me phrase it another way all of us whoever we are have a certain set of circumstances mm. genes before we've even entered this earth during mm. pregnancy for example yeah. so I'm one of four siblings I'm the second in line between my elder sister and my two younger brothers um, my mum unfortunately had a stillborn child so her pregnancy with me was really anxiety ridden yeah quite naturally okay. yeah so she firmly believes and we've spoken about this a number of times i know she won't mind me saying it here but she believes that that anxiety helps as i was forming in her womb that sensitivity that kind of prone to maybe anxiousness mm -hmm. and that need for safety right okay now i don't know whether scientifically that's true but there are certain thinkers such as Gabor Mate mm. um, uh, Dick Schwartz is another one that talks about internal family system and parts we develop these masks mm. and those two particularly resonate with both of yeah. us don't they and we recognise ourselves and our stories within yeah. those models yeah. does that, really that make sense? yeah it does and you know especially in our society mm. we live in a harsh world really yeah. there's a lot of pressure added mm -hmm. and it's achieving achieving yeah. achieving moving forward moving forward yeah and to exist in that it really must perpetuate it as well oh absolutely it yeah. gives a lot of weight to you yeah so when you're dealing with people mm. and you're going through to find out if they are highly sensitive mm. first that mm -hmm. seems like a conversation you're having what kind of traits and characteristics are you listening out for there then because we spoke about people pleasing yeah. and a few others what what are some top five top ten that you're going okay that sounds yeah right so a lot of the people that gravitate towards me are going to be very similar to me and yep. what i talk about so a lot of them um push their push their emotions down so i explore that a little bit further i really try and understand like why why would that be like what what's your thoughts around like how does it make you feel if i was to describe you being emotional or showing those emotions to other people um i think when 
people are incredibly descriptive about their experiences to me mm, yeah that's a really good indication um they might talk about the other stuff like their sensitivity to their stimuli they might talk about overwhelm a lot mm. um uh, one of the signs of of um high sensitivity is like overstimulation it's not necessarily a word that a lot of people use they might use overwhelm because that's used so much isn't it in the world so i just start exploring all of those different types of traits and then um i probably would direct them to elena ron's website where you can actually do a test okay so you can actually fill that in yourself i'll put that in the link yeah actually, that'd be cool yeah. what, what's it called it's if you go to www.hsperson.com Brilliant. and you can find out if your child is highly sensitive as well mm. on there so if you've got children you mm. think actually you know That's things like i did a workshop the other day about about um sporting highly sensitive children but children that are called fussy mm. like really explore that see if they might be highly sensitive you know a lot of highly sensitive children will not like certain textures on their skin they'll be really sensitive to that mm. they might not like certain foods they might like one of my friend's children i was saying the other day goes into a um the toilet and if someone puts their, their hand dryer on it's like <clears throat> hands mm. over ears like mm. all these signs are really beautiful signs that they might be highly sensitive so yeah definitely check out elena ron's website that's brilliant and, and with you nick then mm. how do you go rooting when you're working with somebody or coaching I listening th- out for those things i think for me and it's really first of all holding space and allowing the men i work with or potentially are going to work with to start to talk and to start to share their experience with me and just to let them do that for as long as they need to because very often they've just not had too many opportunities to do that one of the key things for me in terms of success as far as men go generally speaking not always but they feel like they've got more potential than they're showing out in the world Mm. they feel they can be a better man in their relationships they feel they can be a better dad than they are there's just this intuition that they don't share with the people closest to them Mm through fear of potentially feeling a failure or in their eyes that's the thing that worries men a lot i think it's that ability to keep all the plates going and not wanting to to ask for help and ask for support that's that's just a a dead giveaway the words they use when they describe their experience are they using words which describe emotions Mm. or are they using words which describe thinking Mm. and for me generally if they're using words that describe emotions they're they're more likely to be highly sensitive than if they're in their head a lot Mm. not always the case you can't generalize you know Mm. too much but those are the key signs for me i think how's it been coaching and going into that world are you really enjoying it yeah i love it i do i do because i spent you know touched on it earlier a lot of my personal time numbing out and then doing jobs that I wasn't passionate about trying to so most of the jobs I did were kind of sales customer service first line manager type stuff within a corporate environment that I really struggled to fit in and be myself in but I enjoyed the kind of working with people and their development plans I enjoyed that kind of stuff and I went back to football eventually as a coach um, and got a lot out of working with players outside of the actual football work, listening to them about their stories, that kind of stuff. Now that I've turned that into my business and thinking about my own life story, 
being able to facilitate the opportunity for a man to really invest in himself, to go deep, to understand what's happening for him as he describes it, to ask him questions about that, to ask him to inquire about his beliefs, mm. about himself and the world around him, but to do that with compassion, sure, not to judge. Because I think bringing compassion to that allows you to really face that kind of truth of yourself. Mm. And from there, that's the seed that you can then plant and start to experiment with it. Start to be bring that into how you are with your loved ones how you are with your kids in the smallest of ways to begin with sometimes some people are ready for big jumps some people aren't and it's really just suggesting and reflecting back to them some of the things they're saying because mm. every time a man that I work with speaks to me they're giving me different jigsaw pieces sure when I present those jigsaw pieces in a box and say have you considered if you put these together what would that look like and suddenly they can start to see a picture and that picture could be their so best self, their ambition. Metaphor. That's yeah, really mm. nice. Mm. Have you found a lot of resistance? Because as I'm having this conversation with you two, I'm a man, and I yeah. particularly work with a lot of masculinity in my life. Mm. Um, from youngsters to when I go to schools, I'm working with lots of teachers. It is a quite masculine world for me, and I can imagine a lot of resistance in when you're going and opening up and showing emotions and sharing emotions and talking mm. do they want to initially switch off so um this is for me is where the nlp and the hypnotherapy comes in because You're a skillful man well played <laughs> i like this guy too so, <laughs> like talking is good it is good look me and you both go to circles and we know the power of that because we feel able to express ourselves in that environment that works for us that's mm. not going to work for every man not every man's going to have the 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 literacy skill to be able to put into words how they're feeling mm. so what a combination of nlp which is neuro-linguistic programming and hypnotherapy can do which is is very similar in lots of ways is tap into the, that person's subconscious and you can talk to them directly so the cognitive part of the brain the protector parts where that resistance might come in you kind of bypass that oh. and you get to what's really going on and you get to talk to that part of that person they are. and potentially start to rewire it wow now that takes something for them. Mm. They have to join you halfway. They have to be willing to want mm. those techniques and to explore that. And, and I do get some resistance there sometimes. We both had clients recently where we, we kind of feel it could be beneficial. So we suggest it and they say, no, it's not for me. Okay, not a problem. Mm. And I think yeah. that's the bit, alluding to the point Jess made earlier about the people pleasing, we have to accept that as coaches. And that's our challenge. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. Because yeah. when they come to you, sure, they're in a state of readiness for change because they're mm. talking to you and there's something there and there's a need mm. to be met but then still a resistance there yes but i think it's i think it's a process and for yeah. everybody it's differently so my own kind of healing journey and, and realization that i didn't want to spend the rest of my life numbing out or i could be in serious trouble when mm. i had suicidal ideation uh, probably 10 12 years ago at my lowest point I made that decision that I wanted to change. That was a real turning point. This has worked for me for a while. Now it's not working for me. Now it's really not working for me. I need to make changes. Now someone might have that same realization because 
they've lost a relationship or they're estranged from their kids or whatever that might be or they've lost a job even it, it, it's different for everybody and the first time you you ask for help the intention is real and the intention's there but you just might not be ready for it and that's okay and that's okay yeah do you do NLP as well, Jess? Yes, you absolutely. Do. And your neuro-linguistic programming? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Run us through it. Yeah, I, I, I find it absolutely fascinating. And similar to like what Nick said, I think because, because I am so in my head, like I've always been all in my head, understanding theory, cognitively working everything out, never understanding what's going on in my body, like completely disconnected. Um, I found working with holistic like the whole body approach holistic coaches so powerful like i went to talking therapy at certain times i had cbt it's great it works for some people didn't work for me mm. i could sit in that chair and tell them exactly what they needed to hear and yeah. play it and then go to co-op and get a bottle of wine on the way home and just go back to how it was like you're a people pleaser yeah exactly, you want them to exactly. Good. you're doing a great yeah, job you're doing amazing work um <laughs> but when i had um, when I understood about neurolinguistic programming and I hired coaches that were trained in it, they were able to really tap into that subconscious belief system. So I had a great deal of shame that held beliefs such as you're just a fucking failure. Sorry, can I swear? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Thank you. Good. Should have checked Doing that. Doing more guys. Um, what's up? Like, yeah. Literally, like I'm such a potty mouth. Like, oh no, I should have checked that. I've been um, gutted. There's not been enough. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Um, but you know, it like I am. I am an absolute failure. I am not worth. You don't really think I am not worthy, but it's very similar beliefs about my worthiness. Um, and that was that. My coaches were able to tap into that, and I was able to start showing myself more love and compassion and empathy, and start to reduce that shame swamp that I was just drowning in. Mm. Um, and we don't often cognitively know. Oh, I'm feeling deeply unworthy. However, we might be a perfectionist or a people pleaser mm. or we might overwork and we burn out every six months that to me is a beautiful indication that that person has quite a lot of shame in that subconscious mind so I'm able to tap into that and help them to release a lot of this behaviour mm. um, I'm also trained like Nick in hypnotherapy I'm trained in timeline therapy which is a beautiful um, holistic technique to release trapped core negative emotion from the past so anger very important mm. so so important so it helps release anger sadness fear hurt and guilt from your unconscious it's like we get to our adult life and we're often carrying like a backpack of rocks and we're carrying all this stuff from our past mm. so it helps release it from the past but it doesn't stop us from you know experiencing these emotions in the present and going forward because they're very important mm. like for me anger is my core emotion that is what shows up for me a lot and I'm going through my own journey with anger. You know, I think as women, it's a big journey with anger and rage. Yeah. Because we were never allowed to exhibit that. It's like, don't do that. That's not ladylike. So repress, so, yeah. repress, repress. So repress, repress, repress. And I've held in so much emotion, so much rage. That has ultimately, I believe, led to gut health problems. Mm. Um, I've had emotional eating all my life. Um, and... I believe that's because I ate to push down my emotions so I yeah. didn't feel them and 
this these beautiful emotional freedom techniques like i was saying to you before the podcast about tapping mm. that they're all beautiful ways to allow this energy allow this emotion to leave and to flow express but, itself yeah mm. you know emotion is energy in motion it is supposed to be moving I like that. yeah mm. it's supposed to be moving around our bodies and when we trap it it, it really does cause dis-ease it can cause so many different problems manifest in so many different ways so i help all these um wonderful people to to just release and to like let go of these rocks let go of this backpack that they're carrying around with them do you have to go into sort of generational trauma with them then do they talk no. about their experiences and no. stuff so i am i'm very explicit that i am not a therapist mm -hmm. so um if someone wants to unpack their trauma that's where therapy will come in so i, I signpost them to therapy i help them I believe that you know trauma isn't the experience it's not what happened it's what happened to your body mm. so i help with the belief system that they formed after that trauma so i am useless i am unlovable mm. i help with that i help release those beliefs that feels quite actionable mm -hmm. something you can do with that exactly i feel a commonality i get on this podcast and something i've experienced myself is i've gone to therapy and uh, we've had this long, long discussion. Mm. We've gone back all into the pains mm -hmm. and the experiences mm. I've been through and hold attachment to, these energies to. And then I'm just left with them. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. ouch, yeah. <laughs> what do I do now? I, and I kind of know why I seek validation mm. and desperate for people to like me. I, I understand that now. I've looked at my mum's side, looked at my dad's side, looked at everyone around at mm. that time. But then I'm just sat in it. Yeah. And, and there's still a bit of resentment for them. I know you need to let go, but yeah. I, think, oh, I wish I hadn't had this life. Yeah. Yeah. And yours here is saying, okay, well, them emotions that you're feeling right now, we can work with. Yes, yes. We can Absolutely. do something about that. We can start to become more emotionally literate. Yes. I think so many of us, we've not been taught how to manage our emotions, how mm. to build resilience. And when I say resilience, that isn't like to be stoic and strong, because that's what I'm trying to unravel. Mm. It's actually to be able to sit with my big emotions, not wanting to numb out and just mm. allow them to be. Mm. No judgment. You're feeling really angry. Okay, what are we going to do with this? I'm going to punch a pillow. Mm. I'm going to scream. Like, I'm going to rage on a page, as Gabby Bernstein calls it. Like Rage on a page. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's, yeah. it's one of the so best. There's so many good snippets from this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. It's how do, we, how do we, like, fall in love with our emotions? How do we really accept them and allow them to be into flow without really trying to push them down? They're meant to come out. They're meant to flow. Um, and I think like Nick was talking about like how he never felt like he was able to be himself like I think why I didn't go down other routes and I went down holistic coaching is because I am not the expert here yet. yes I'm skilled in techniques and I'm skilled at coaching but you sat in front of me the expert this isn't this power dynamic that mm -hmm. you see in some kind of clinical and therapeutic models this is you are the expert of your life and you have all the tools we just need to access them and then you can go away with actionable things that you can do. So if that person's a people pleaser, I'm going to walk alongside you as you start to put boundaries in place, as you start to let go of some connections Big that don't serve there. you, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, I can walk alongside you and I can be your cheerleader and I can also be quite confronting um, mm -hmm. at times and I will question and I will reflect back, but I'm, I'm there to help you take that action forward and to give you that toolbox, basically. This is fantastic. I'm really <laughs> enjoying this. Oh, ditto. I think it's I started down the route of 
therapy training, training as a therapist, because I personally had had some benefits from it. Um, and I think there has a place in what you were saying, Mikey, about understanding my story. Mm. Like, it's allowed me to reframe all of the experiences I was speaking about earlier and see them with compassion and feel them with compassion. So, for example, my dad, who I love to bits, but quite viscerally hated as a younger person sure. for that experience, I can sit with those polarizing parts mm. and say he was doing the best he could. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he didn't want to be in a classroom full of screaming kids and having to put a smile on and da, 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 da. so it's no wonder by the time he came home he couldn't keep that mask up mm. because he's working a, a really stressful job yeah. now I couldn't understand that as a kid so it's okay for me to honour those two yeah. different bits and I think there's room for therapy to allow us to explore our past to understand our stories to frame them in a way which is more compassionate and compassionate to those around us yeah. I'm not saying we should do that all the time some of the relationships we have as kids are really troublesome for some people and therefore the outcome might be different for them with therapy and we need to make that point but I think there's that kind of with coaching like you said I had the same experience okay I feel it I feel a little bit healed so I'm ready to start exploring new stuff as this new yes. person but it's it, for me it was like being attached to a bungee where I would go off in this new direction and then suddenly the bungee would get more stressed and it would get harder and harder and harder and harder and then I'd ping back to my old behaviours mm. because I wasn't equipped and I hadn't learnt the new skills how to be authentic. Did you feel like you'd gone backwards slightly then because when you feel yourself going back to old traits yes. you beat yourself up a little mm. bit for it? Yeah, and that's why sort of having discovered, say, self-expression in my mid to late 20s through going to therapy and songwriting that led me to knots to join a band to leave my hometown and, and come here and meet the fine fellows that formed ardency with um we record i recorded a we recorded but for me the lyrically was the most personal album i could make and mm. called it dear human and and the the emotion behind that was oh my God, I've learned to self-express and I've learned how to be myself and it's amazing. Mm. But back then, as like a late 20s, I'm like, and I want everyone else to experience this. Yes. And if you don't want to experience it, I want to know why you don't want to experience <laughs> yeah. it and I'm going yeah. to really floodlight you with it until actually you think I'm a bit of a knob. You get it. You Looking get, back yeah, now, yeah, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? Because it's like you, you become a bit like, you have that initial epiphany and then sometimes you become a bit evangelical. This is the most magical experience. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and everybody needs to feel the same way. A hundred percent. I it's had it with psychedelics, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Godlike experience, mm. and then it was sort of the the farm was a retreat then, and it was always me and me and somebody, me and somebody, yeah. and that turned into a bit psychosisy in the yeah. end. It wasn't a it. comfortable experience. A good story there, yeah. but today's your stories. So <laughs> oh, I want to hear that though. I'm remembering that. We'll happily come out. It's been on this podcast somewhere, and I've been on others and told them stories. But with you, Nick, then, mm. so what? What is your path forward with this? Then, do you know what you're wanting to go on and do, and how? And Ultimate, ultimately. I'm doing it as organically and as authentically as possible. So I'm learning as I'm doing this as well, mm. you know. Right here, right now, I'm interested in working with as many men as I possibly can that feel ready for change yeah. and sustainable change. Do you whatever like what you that said might before, be for them. Because that what works works kind of idea as well. Absolutely. And I think people need to not just try a thing and go, oh, that didn't work, right, 
therapy, nothing works, I'll just yeah. go back to my numb state mm-hmm. and yeah. go into life like this. It's finding your feet with everything. I, and, I think so. And finding the truth in all the practices. Do you know what I mean? Therapy, mm-hmm. there is a place for it, yeah. but there needs to be pick-up parts. So I really love what you said then. I yeah. just wanted to interact and say that was no, really good. I appreciate that, Mikey. And it, and it will be different for every person, and that's the beauty of it for me. So as an individual that's within this space wanting to support men to have their own journeys with this the more skills I can develop that are rounded to put, and the more avenues I can depending on what they reveal to me say oh maybe go and explore this see how that feels I could do this technique with you do you fancy giving that a go it's all on them to decide whether they want to do the work or not but I think that thing I was telling you about that bungee for me it's trying to be honest with them up front and say you're not going to be here and working with me go like this and get to be the person you want to be Mm. without falling down failing wanting to give up finding it really difficult sometimes as well as it having amazing moments and discoveries and learning new things about yourself that make you feel empowered and and feeling like you're starting to change it's it's a really non-linear but incredible journey if you're ready for it Mm. At the same time, there are guys that I work with, that's, that's working with me for a period of time. If you want to work with me one-off, because maybe, you know what, I know that I can get that promotion at work, but I'm just so anxious and I'm terrible in interviews. I can work on that one specific thing and we can do that quite quickly and we don't need to delve into the rest of that other stuff. And that's the beauty of some of the, the skill sets that we've trained in nice man mm. and then they can find people for them other elements in their life Absolutely. as well yeah when they're ready but maybe they meet you they talk to you and they find your approach and they're like oh this is going to really help in this part of my life i can feel that and, and for me again bringing it i'm always bringing it back to emotions it, there's like an energetic feel mm. for me yeah. like first time we met and we sat together in that circle i can feel there's like an an unspoken energy exchange Mm -hmm. i felt the same way yeah but but when you lean into that and you start to trust it that tells me something oh i want to get to know this person a bit more you know there's something that i'm going to learn from him and maybe there's something he can learn from me and we're both going to grow as a result for me looking longer term going back to your original question building connection and community Mm. with men that are at different stages of their journeys, learning from some, imparting knowledge onto others and continually growing and evolving is going to make a better world for each other. Mm-hmm. And just as important and probably more important, the women and the kids in our lives. Mm. And that that's like the big vision yeah. for me as a man. It feels exciting to be a part of the process of. Do you know what I mean? And the, there's so many influences out there there's voices mm. of all different natures yeah. and i just think they all have place yeah. do you know what i mean now, we were talking in a circle the other day um but about david goggins have you heard his his stuff no oh is this real like, mr motivator style yeah. get up stay hard do it mm-hmm. and there were people saying oh I, I just don't think there's a place for that there's no point in that it just pushes people too far mm-hmm. but i'm like Actually, for me, sometimes I really need that kick, yeah. and as particularly my, I do boxing mm-hmm. and the football or or something physical. Yeah. And I know 
I can't listen to Alan Watts at that time or I can't listen to Eckhart Tolle or somebody yeah, yeah. just being yes. gentle with me. I'm like, I need a slap. Just yeah, yeah. really need it to yeah. get in that ring mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. So I go, I confront that, I'll hear it. But if it was that all the time every day, exactly. I'd literally just become so resilient and I wouldn't yeah. have a switch off. So, but, but I think that's, you've hit on something really key there, Mikey, for me, which is that, especially in, a, in an ever-increasingly busy world, mm. how much time do we perceive that we have yeah. and in reality do we have to make sure our palette of stuff that we're doing is rich enough for us yeah and if we're working full-time jobs and we're raising kids and we're trying to keep relationships and friendships and all that kind of stuff that well that palette can become quite black and white quite soon mm. and, and we're not really bringing ourselves and choice to that yeah it's just one task to complete after another and i think that's where things like burnout you were mentioning yeah. can come in our world gets smaller and yeah. more pressurized as a result so I absolutely agree that having as wide a possible palette as possible yeah. and when we when we start to notice our emotions and our emotions become our friends and we think oh I'm feeling something in my body I've not felt in a while mm. and it's not comfortable that for me is like right time out Nick yeah carve out at least half an hour to go and sit with that yes and think when was the last time I felt this what did it feel like? What was happening in my life? Oh, you know what? I, I, I wasn't doing my, my meditations. Yeah. Have I been doing my meditations? Oh, you know what? I haven't done it for a week. How did that go by? Well, it went by because I was really busy and I was doing this and I was doing that and there was this party mm-hmm. and, and this social thing. It truly is knowing self, isn't it? 100%. Completely yeah. to its and core. Who am I? Yeah. And then when you feel this feeling emerge or creep yeah. in, oh, this is a part of the the process that I need to take Absolutely. and embark on. Yeah. And for me, it never ends. Yeah, that's that, the that, thing. that is the beauty of it yeah. too. Yeah. That's the exciting thing in life. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Uh, we talk a lot in, I suppose, self-development and the spiritual community and the world in terms of knowing oneself, mm. really get to know yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you feel you truly know yourself at the moment, Jess? Like I do at times, I'll yeah. be honest with you. Um, I'm like... I always say to people, I'm on my own journey, I'm on my own path, it never ends. There will be people that are looking for perfection from a coach and if that's what they want, I'm probably not for them. I have, through the work of Richard or Dick Swartz, who wrote an incredible book, No Bad Parts, and he created Internal Family Systems, I am on my journey of understanding my parts. So, like I was saying earlier, through my survival mechanisms in childhood, I developed a very strong, tough girl. Yeah. Ice queen, you know, perfectionist, good girl at times. So my way of knowing self, and Richard calls it self with a capital S, which I love, it's about building those relationships, developing that compassion with all of those parts. It's not about getting rid of them. It's mm. about asking them to step away at times because I don't want them to be governing everything. Granted, like today for example I'm really pleased to have tough girl she's there yeah just in case I need her in this podcast you have a name if I for feel her? safe Is it you know what I, I don't I have a, a name for my inner critic she's called Gretchen from Mean Girls nice. um, <laughs> but but no my parts don't necessarily have names the other parts but I feel them a lot like yeah. she comes up a lot in my neck in my shoulders so I'm actually working with IFS therapists because that's what I identified I wanted to understand more to start understanding my parts a lot better so it's going to enable me to meet myself with a capital s a lot more mm. so 
before I ever go on a coaching call or before I'm having a boundary chat in my personal life, for example, I have to sit in silence, I have to meditate and I have to speak to my parts. I have to ask them to step away. And Richard says that when we know we're in self, we're all the C's. I can't remember all of them, but like compassion, caring, confident. Mm. When I'm feeling that, and I do, I feel the energy in me is different. I feel very compassionate to people. I feel love. It's coming from my heart center. That's when I'm self. Yes. And if I feel my parts coming up, especially when I'm holding space for someone, I need to check and just try and ask them to step back. So the answer to that is a, is a, is a sometimes. <laughs> um, Seven um, moving shades of grey. Yeah. And you know what? Which I'm still, be. Yeah. still exploring things like joy because for me, because of my childhood trauma, I forebode joy. I missed a lot of my childhood because I had to be an adult very early. And part of my journey to find self with the capital S is, is playing around with joy. Like, what did I love doing in childhood? Like, what made me feel happiness and joy? And where can I be free? So, like, you know, I'm exploring things that would have made me go, oh, God, no, I can't do that. Like, dancing in front of people. Sure. Like, you know, all, all little things like that are just tapping into, like, me. And I know that me in five years' time, me in ten years' time is going to look different and I love that mm. like we're not going to be a finished article no we're not going to get a certificate and be like you're done now woohoo <laughs> like we have not. this great check-in system where yeah. you know how to yeah. find self always Ex- in, yeah. in that moment I, I, I can come back to my centre um, like you're not going to yeah mm. you are going to see actually but like yeah coming back to that aligned me yes and you know what sometimes I fail I fuck up yeah Um. and I'm I'm starting to love that me Mm. that human messy jess who was a perfectionist and Ah. is recovering from that Mm. yeah i i say it to um lightness and heaviness if Mm. i'm feeling heavy in my days and in my actions Mm. i know i'm not acting in my true self i can just feel it there i'm acting clunky yes and when i'm light and things just feel in that state of flow yeah i know that is what i'm supposed to be doing in that moment absolutely and i think that's where we can really develop that emotional resilience Mm. that allowing it to Um, be who who wrote that book richard swartz um is it fairly new or he he would have developed Mm. internal family systems when did he say it was was it the 80s wow I don't know if it's quite that old, but it's the end of 20th century, start yeah. of 21st. I think it's been yeah. around for a good 20 years. Oh, Paul, my friend who I went on that course with, mm. three-day intense course, we did a fairly similar thing. Mm. may have like modernised it slightly. We've got characters that we built up. Amazing. I went through all these characters and then had to write my timeline out and think about where they've oh. felt the need to come out and why they sort of built up these yes. characters. And, what, and then we worked out sort of what needs are getting met. Because in yeah. sort of psychiatry, yeah. you've got four main needs. Mm-hmm. It's um, sense of validation, control a situation, mm-hmm. variability in a situation, mm-hmm. and ego, so a sense of self. Yeah. They're like the four main pillars yeah. of our needs that we get met. And first of all, yeah, the same. I've got a lazy character. Or I've got a, a really angry character. Bane, I've named him. Obviously, <laughs> um, uh, and I even had a highly sexual character. Yeah. But then I looked at all of them, named them, mm-hmm. and I had a lot of hatred, a lot of guilt, mm. and anger towards these characters at first. Yeah. But then when I realised what needs they were trying to get met for me, because yeah. I couldn't do for myself in that moment, yes. I actually fell in love with them and I accepted them. I was like, oh, thank you guys. Yeah. You had my back. 
it's just at the minute I can't have you around yes. here because I need this to be functioning. Yeah. I, I've got a forgetful one because mm. I love being in the moment. Mm-hmm. I love just being variable, free. I don't want to think about things, yeah. but I'm sorry for forgetful, Mikey. This is an important thing. We need SD cards or we're not going to get the yeah. shoot done. <laughs> no, but you're absolutely so right. I have genuine conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. with them. I love it. Yeah. I love yeah. it. That's exactly, yeah. exactly what you've been talking about. Yeah. My inner critic I call Fergie. No, I love this like, conversation. It's, it's I've, 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 I've a really good podcast. <laughs> and it's like, I used to listen to him all the time mm. and, and my self-worth was so low because mm. I thought, well, I'm thinking this and I'm feeling it, so it must be real. Mm. Is it... Paul's, Paul had a really angry character. He wouldn't mind me saying this either. Yeah. And I think we, he called it Bane as well, or he had a similar anger name. Um, but he had a conversation with Paul one night because Paul had a bad night and he was smashing things around the house, mm. plates and punching mm. things. Yeah. And he started having this conversation and he goes, yeah, Paul, you can, you can hate me, mate, but the one waiting in the wings, he was going to kill you. Yeah. Mm. I'm the reason you're alive. Yeah. And the anger giving you that yeah. assertive, let's go yeah. get them attitude. Yes. If you that, didn't have me, the yes. other guy in the wings was going to take your life. And that, on it, yeah, every yeah. time it's I tell that story, <laughs> the way he made <laughs> me feel, yeah. it, 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 I started crying when he told that because yeah. it made me say thank you to all them characters again and think, what could I have been given then? Exactly. The one that, because uh, I, I was close to ending it one night. Yeah. And there was just some character there. I don't know what it was, but I think it was that fuck you character. Yeah. It's like, no, do you know what? You all piss me off and I'm going to go and show you something. Yeah. It's yeah. maybe not the healthiest of things, but bloody hell, it, it sent me on a path. Exactly. Any, any part of our subconscious, even if it doesn't seem like it, ultimately wants to do one thing and that's to keep us safe. Yeah. That's all, yeah. all of those different parts you've just described. That's their purpose. That's why they're there. Mm-hmm. And it's easy unless we know otherwise and we can become more mindful and attuned to those parts to just listen to them while they're in their part which doesn't actually help us Mm. and makes us behave in ways that can have consequences that we will regret when we thank them when we bring compassion to them when we recognize why they're there we can honor them for what they did for us whether it was five years ago or or 25 years ago Mm -hmm. because we needed them it's, it's being able to talk to them in that moment when they come up and to say, do I need them right now or not? Because yeah. you might still need them in the mm-hmm. here and now sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But more often than not, yeah. probably it's, it's not. It's like pick and mixing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's looking through all the bits and going, do you know what? I really need you right now. Yes. I need yeah. this access to that. 100%. But having the conscious ability and awareness to yes. when genuinely, and it's mm. that honest conversation comes through, isn't 100%. it? Yeah. Absolutely. Can a part of uh, this discussion we're having, something that rose up a little was you've experienced addiction. I mean, yep. you, you had wine yep. in your life, yep. but you've had it through your generations. Yes. Yeah. And you, uh, you didn't really mention it in your generations, but you've experienced addiction mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. Could we talk a bit about addiction? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, Jess, mm. addiction. Yeah. Is it a disease? Ooh, um, I can only speak from my personal experience and I'm, I'm doing a lot of reflection personally on, on addiction and actually it, it segues lovely from that part of the conversation because I actually personally now thank that part that was numbing out because like you say, she saved me. Mm. I might not be here 
if it wasn't for that part. Um, I'm exploring in myself how much my addiction is linked to my sensitivity. Um, and my addiction has helped me kind of numb the pain in, internally until I was ready to face it. Mm. I'm still absolutely exploring my relationship with things like alcohol because I still have alcohol in my life. I'm not sure that will be the case forever. Um, but yeah, I think addiction is such a, a personal thing. And, you know, I have to look at it as well from my experience with my dad. My addiction for me is so weighted and it's such a big one for me. And actually, as I'm talking about it, my gut's like... Mm. Um, because I hated my dad for his addiction. <laughs> and yet I was still... I did the same thing to a certain extent. So it's that duality that I'm having to face with like, I hate you and I love you. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for you. Um, so it, it's, it's one that I don't think I have the answer to. I don't, I don't think it's a disease. I think it's an absolute coping mechanism. I think it's a survival mechanism. Um, I think it's a behavior and a symptom of the actual fucking problem. Mm. Yeah, I like that saying drugs and alcohol are not the problem nope. they're the solution to the problem yeah exactly that's, that's, yeah, yeah there's a lot of depth within that and i think i would add to that very similar to jess i, I can only talk from per, my personal experience and and learning that's meaningful to me i think addiction shows up everywhere for everyone yeah personally i think people that go on a shopping binge or an eating binge yeah. or um are angry all the time I think we can get addicted to our emotions. For, for me, though, it is, it's, it's almost like a, a trauma response. Yeah. And if we understand trauma as experiences that we have that come with them difficult emotions, and then we ask ourselves a really important question, what did we make that mean? Yeah. Whenever we're potentially going to experience that again, we will choose to not want to experience that subconsciously because mm. we'll want to protect ourselves. So drugs and alcohol are what... Um, society might deem as potentially dangerous bad and bad maybe yeah. but yeah. there are others that go unnoticed yeah. what about work addiction yeah that's yeah. that's applauded or being really no no one says or very exercise. few people exercise for yeah. example being going to the gym every day being as fit as you can possibly be could yeah. be thought of as an addiction and you so do, you, get, you get applauded for that don't you i, I yeah. think yeah. so so it's about that there's a, there's a bigger question there to ask for me and i want to cite somebody here because somebody that we've gotten to know over the last couple of years josh Connolly, talks a lot about this so i want to give him a mention mm. and i would definitely um shout out anyone to explore some of the things that he has to say and especially his breath work because he does a lot of breath work for emotional release he's a highly sensitive guy and well, he's a highly sensitive man mm. um but yeah it's a fascinating question for me personally and i think it is sometimes actually I don't want to, ex I want to choose not to experience my emotions because I'm highly sensitive and they're too much. Yeah. Maybe I've been experiencing them all day. Maybe I've had mm. three or four clients and actually I just need to sit with those emotions and I do that and I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with this all right now. I'm going to immerse myself in an album yeah. or maybe I'm going to have a beer or maybe I'm going to go for a run or whatever it is I'm going to do. I need to just switch off Escapism. to be able to go back in. I think there's, yeah. I think there's room for it. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Mm. I like, again, it is my favourite word, but the nuance yeah. and, and yeah. in how you discuss things because mm. I feel I've got so many friends that in, in a spiritual community, uh, I've got friends in AA, I've got friends for 
parts of different causes mm -hmm. the only time where I struggle with it is when it's too absolute yes it's the black and the white mm -hmm. yeah. and I think there's probably about three things in the world that I've got an absolute look to yeah and I could probably still have a conversation about that yeah and and work out more into it yeah um yeah, I was thinking of like atrocious things down there, mm, sexual mm. abuse, pedophilia, yeah, yeah. that the, the awful things where I go, I kind of, I can't have a discussion here. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the, how humans behave, the, the psychology, the emotions, yeah. the thinking, mm. discussions need to be had. There is one case I saw for addiction. Mm. Um, I think it was a Russell Brand documentary. Mm. I like Russell Brand. I love Russell Brand. Really cool guy. And he worked with a professor, Professor David Nutt, who's one of the UK's leading sort of scientists within addiction, so mm -hmm. who works on the brain chemistry. And they work with rats or mice on this particular study. And have you heard of it? There's Rat Utopia, okay. and I can't remember the other rat study, so I'll, I'll try and not go too deep into it, because <laughs> this will be a lot of airtime. But really quickly, um, the first study they got these rats in a cage and there was a shutter. Mm -hmm. So the rats would go and press this button and then they'd go and get, a, I think it was cocaine they were awarded mm -hmm. with. But there was something like 92% of these rats would go and press the button, wait, get the cocaine and chill. Mm -hmm. And then when they'd had enough, they'd stop pressing the button. Yeah. But there was an 8% that would go press the button and just scratch and go crazy for it yeah. and then keep going and going and going and going mm -hmm. and then just do it till death yeah and they were looking at this this chemistry so they attached these i don't know electrical impulses mm -hmm. to them mm -hmm. and those that people that were in addiction centers the the way that dopamine and serotonin was being released mm -hmm. was incredibly similar to this small eight yeah. percent so they were like okay that's really interesting but also then they're in a terrible environment. Mm -hmm. mm. They're just in this cage with a shutter. So mm. what they did, they put them in a huge factory and they could have as much sex and play yeah. and food and things like that as, as they wanted. And again, it was a much smaller percentage because the environment was different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the, there's a lot that didn't turn to the, it was laced with cocaine this time. They had water, they yeah. had one just water, one laced with cocaine. But there were still some that kept going to the cocaine one. Yeah. Really small percentages. But they would. And it was the way that the serotonin and dopamine was being released. Yeah. And when they did the MRIs on addicts, they were very similar. So it makes me think maybe there is a certain percentage of people that just can't. Yeah. And will go into chaos if substances yeah. are brought into their life. Yeah. Um, but like you say, then the, the, the pleasure be masturbation yeah, it could yeah. Be sex it could be yeah. eating it it's yeah. always there isn't it so i really like what you said there mike and i think for me personally as as you were saying that i thought actually yeah i can i can feel a different experience between my experience with drugs and alcohol and tobacco mm. i smoked for 30 years and i was very much like one of those rats that just kept going back yes with tobacco whereas and i was for a while with alcohol and, and drugs when I think about how I've retreated from those, so mm. I gave up smoking after 30 years without any NRT or anything like that yeah. because I was finally ready to, but it was fucking hard, mm. Mm. like really hard. 
giving up weed, having smoked weed for 20 years, was a different experience. Yeah. So cigarettes, it was like they're there one day and then they're gone. Yeah. And then that was how I dealt with it and I had an experience that way. With weed, it was more like a, a slow withdrawal mm-hmm. mm. in quantities, frequency and that kind of stuff. I, I couldn't do that with cigarettes. I tried. So I really like what you said then. So I'm going to yeah, reflect I, on that. I, I, I think that's for people to really have honest conversations of yeah. how much damage is this causing? My yeah. finances, yeah. my friendships, yes. my health. Yeah. You've got to go through this big list, but genuinely con- have a conversation yeah, with yourself. Yeah. Don't just go... Yeah, fine, yeah, fine, yeah, fine. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to sit with each one for a good half an hour maybe 100%. and work it through. Because when that documentary with Russell Brand was on yeah. and they started going through these studies and looking at them, I remember I was at a house party and it probably was cocaine or something. Mm. But all my friends, they were just chilling and, mm. and just being normal and, and excitable chat. You've seen it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was the one that was like, have we got any more? Is yeah. there, is there any, and and yeah. everyone was like, Mikey, calm down, just yeah. relax. I was mm. like, I, I, I can't. Yeah. Something just happened to me. So yeah. I do have a lot of compassion there for when people yeah, are going it. into burnout, into absolute chaos. And I'm like, I feel your brain just really resonates mm. with this thing. Yeah. And it's it just such it. a shame that it causes such dramatic effect to you I think so I I think you're absolutely right with the consciousness and I said something on another podcast it's not out yet but I'm like I'll probably lose half my followers because I said it and I was like but I really believe this is again my experience that coming back to what damage is that doing we can often see the damage of alcohol we can see the damage of drugs I mentioned Love Island which is why I think I'm going to lose a lot of followers but I said for me that programme is so damaging personally yeah. A because the I feel really like the aftercare is really dangerous having what's happened to a lot of the participants, but things certain shows for me feed my shame. Mm. Feed especially I think for women as well, it's really big in terms of body image and like I said that for me is just as dangerous as alcohol. Yeah. And that could get sound bited and it's like what are you fucking talking about? The reason I say this is because we don't see that damage yeah. until we are addicted, mm. until we are fighting, mm. until our relationships fall apart, until we're self-harming. Mm. It's so dangerous what we're filling our minds with sometimes. Mm. Subconscious mm. messages yeah. about our worthiness and You're our beliefs enough. and about not being good enough. So mm. for me, mm. I would say Lovely. I have to be really mindful of what I'm absorbing on social media, on TV, what am I binging on Netflix, because that is feeding that subconscious belief system about me, which will then ultimately seek numbing out. Yeah. Alcohol, drugs. I'm gonna pick a fight with Nick, because it, it will. Mm, My yeah. anger will come out. Yeah. And that's why I, I wanted to add a bit of context to that, because yeah, I'm it. so passionate about it that it actually it's about being conscious of all these things that are yeah. seen as like fine, and it's like for me, it's like being curious. I like questioning. what you said. Like it's so easy to pick out the obvious Mm. isn't it Mm. and then you go yeah but how are you operating in your life how are all them relationships and Mm -hmm. if you go into honesty you have really jarring or a painful experience Mm. then what are the external sources that you're taking in yeah just Mm. being mindful of everything isn't it what we what we absorbing yeah what is nourishing our soul what's depleting us i talk about it all the time like where are our energy leaks 
Because all of it is. Could your life be improved? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, let's have a look at what the current ongoings are. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And when we think about what, if, if, we, if we become curious about what you just said then, Mikey, how can our life be improved? What does that actually mean? Mm. Because when we really get down to the nuts and bolts of it, it's not the stuff out there mm. that defines yeah. how much I like. It's, it's what we're experiencing. Mm. I so how often are we experiencing peace, love, joy, and how often are we experiencing anger, resentment, mm. self-hatred, all that kind of stuff? Um, and a lot of the work that we do, there's a really useful tool, which is like an emotional pinwheel, which mm. starts in the center with things like sad, happy, angry, and then it goes out a bit further and it, and it will give you more kind of, to use nuanced words, yeah, yeah. Which, which split anger into like resentment, yeah. fury, all that kind of stuff. And you get right to the outside. And, and if you follow that path out, if I ask a client, how are you feeling today? They say, oh, I feel, oh, I'm just pissed off. I feel great. Okay, let's see where that sits in the middle. Well, it just sits with, I'm angry okay let's work it down mm. and then actually it's resentment well, why am i resenting because i've just seen someone get a promotion at work and you can use that emotional mm. tool that's why language is so important 100 yeah. people that don't have the access to the words mm. they want to use and articulate themselves yeah. that's where the sort of frustration comes from absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely that, that'd be a good wheel to just have at home wouldn't it yeah. to really yeah. like put on the bedroom wall yeah. look through go okay and work your own sort of story out yeah increase your emotional it. vocabulary yeah. yeah do you know yeah. what i mean yeah. like be able to differentiate between those different forms of anger rather than just think oh i'm angry all the time it's like no actually i'm not i'm frustrated at x y and z i'm resentful about x y and z and they're all little things you can then begin to work on with that person and before they know it when you then ask them how are you feeling i'm not feeling angry i'm now just feeling frustrated my yeah. resentment's gone we've worked yeah. through that so yeah. I, I love you're both your own entities and you're coaching people doing very similar things you're ready to merge this together mm. have you got a business name prepping up no. anything? Oh, I won't not, get you to say it yet but not yet um, okay it's funny I've got so many ideas like I'm a manifester in my human design and my brain is just constantly like I like my drive systems ready to go but we are looking to, to merge at some point. Um, I'd love to, you know, do some work within education, do some work within corporate. I'm very passionate about, I want to do a TED talk, on, um, you know, how HSPs make incredible leaders. I'd love to do more leadership development, to hone into these superpowers as leaders. Um, and I think we could we could branch off in a, in a multitude of different areas, um, but we are we we come from very similar values, um, we're grounded in very similar things, and I think, yeah, we're very fortunate, you know, to be doing what we're doing together. I don't yeah. think there's many people out there doing something similar, and I think, yeah, I do, I do think that it will naturally evolve, and the uh, the title, the name, will come to us uh, at the right time. We started to experiment with it, so we've kind of softly put an idea out there about creating um like like a membership a community for sole traders and business owners mm. like we've fast learned over the last year or two that uh, and you'll know this yourself like it's not just the thing you're passionate about that you get to do you have to also be an accountant and you have to mm -hmm. get into sales and you have to understand all these other parts to to make the whole thing work while you're doing it on your own and growing it that can be quite a lonely experience mm. 
So given that we're, we're highly sensitive and emotions are our thing, we thought, well, you know, there are business coaches out there that yeah. can tell you the steps to create a business and there's marketing coaches that can help you with marketing and there are accountants out there. But, but are there people providing a space to be able to grow their emotional experience and to share that yeah. and to be able to then be coached in a group setting yeah. but also the other key thing as part of that that we're envisioning is, is what we call reflective practice yeah. and that's what we've touched on as part of this discussion of when something's feeling a bit out of alignment it's easy to just ignore it and just plow on and plow on especially when we're trying to grow a business mm. you know um, but for people that maybe haven't quite discovered that yet it's an opportunity for them so even though we're doing it out of a, a single business mm. It's, it's something we're going to be doing as, as joint coaches and as a joint venture. So it's really that come back to us in a year or two's time and see I'm where we've got to with it. Do you know I'm what I mean? really excited to do yeah. that. That podcast is going to be a, a <laughs> groundbreaker. Yeah. But say somebody's come to you and then you've sort of worked out maybe they're not highly sensitive. Yeah. Do you still work with them? If I feel like, if I feel like my skill set aligns and they feel safe and our energies are aligned i'm very passionate about checking that energy again with my intuition then absolutely you know i would absolutely coach someone that didn't feel like they were highly sensitive um it, as long as yeah i felt like i was the right person for them yeah we've we've discussed this as well not just in terms of sensitivity but in terms of gender yeah for example yeah. and even though predominantly i will work with men and, and yeah. you'll work with women there may be a better fit for either of us to work with with the opposite sex yeah, yeah so we're open to that it's all about well, yeah, so yeah absolutely yeah. it's a conversation you have with them yeah. sort of what energy do you feel you want to express in yeah. these sessions and i think yeah. so and because yeah. because we because we there's the, the way that we the way that we show our business to the world is to in, to invite people to be curious about themselves and in a way which we kind of hope is inviting mm. and that it's either going to speak to you or it isn't mm -hmm. and if it speaks to you and they continue to take interest they generally start to have a conversation yeah yeah when you start to have a conversation with people you start to get to know them yeah and then it's a two-way thing isn't yeah. it and and if if you're both being authentic as part of that or as authentic as you can be in that given moment it, that's generally how clients seem to come to us yeah rather than here's an offer for this yeah, and sure. you know discount yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, no do you know what I mean yeah, that yeah. works in some businesses 100% yeah, yeah. It, it, for us because the core of the kind of coaching we're doing is is emotional work yeah to to allow you to progress in life as you is as meaningful to you then that just seems more aligned have you, have you tried a, a group session yet have you put anything together i i host groups so i've got a um group program a 12-week group program called sensitive soul society that at the moment is is for women good um, with anyone, your names. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, anyone who identifies as a woman and um that walks them through loads of areas that they probably weren't anticipating i think people come to me and they're like can you fix me like can you get mm -hmm. rid of this trait and i'm like um come on in no <laughs> um but it walks them through their trait and how that's showing them up for them building that self-awareness it then helps them to do a bit of shadow work so mm -hmm. un understanding our unconscious mind and body so do talking a lot of energy as well as what are my belief systems what are my values where have they come from what can i let go of um and then it will walk them through what soul care, so self-care, looks like for them. 
Mm. So a lot of that is nervous system regulation. But, you know, self-care looks different on everyone. You know, I know there's a lot of talk of miracle mornings and get up at 5 a.m. But it's like, does that work for you? So finding a routine that's going to actually work for them and their life. And then it's all about building confidence, emotional freedom. So how can we build safe spaces where we can start to show up in our emotions show up without our masks um feel safer mm-hmm. to be our authentic selves um and yeah really be building that resilience so a lot of highly sensitive people that go through sensitive soul society kind of really start to hear that inner voice and that intuition that is our gift as highly sensitive people like i want to now pass this on they mm-hmm. often come out going this is fucking incredible. Yeah. I need to tell the world. So you just told me the secret. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they then go on to be coaches themselves. So I've got people that have come through my one-to-one oh, and my group program mm. that are now training in NLP and they're going to be coaches for highly sensitive people. The ripple effect. It's beautiful. And it's why I've got a vision of like creating an academy to, to, to mentor coaches, highly sensitive coaches to then go on into their businesses. So I love yeah. that you've got the element of the one-to-one mm. and the group sessions because mm. I can see the benefit of one-to-one. They can really hone in on who they are and you can build that with them. Yeah. But then for them to go and implement that with other people yeah. could be quite alien to them. Absolutely. But then when you've already done it in a group session and you've got other people there that feel similar ways and they realise they're not the only one. Yeah it adds a completely new element to them too. Absolutely. I think a lot of highly sensitive people really struggle with connection. I did a podcast actually, it's out tomorrow about it. Uh, Just drop that in. Go on. Um, 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 It'll be out now. Yeah, Yeah, Oh, thanks. Um, It's the Empowering Path podcast. Um, So yeah, I talked about friendships for highly sensitive people because I think we can start feeling really alone and especially when we start doing the work and we start, people will naturally fall away. You know, maybe the energy vampires that got something from us start to drift away because they can't get that anymore. Mm. Um, Mm. We crave deep connection. And often, like, the connections that we have are very surface, shallow level. So, you know, one of the reasons as well that I wanted to create these these groups is for people to meet like-minded, highly sensitive Mm. people that may be having those similar experiences of, oh, my God, I'm so lonely, I'm so alone, no one sees me, no one hears me. Um, very highly sensitive guys I've just figured it out yes. yeah, mate. welcome yeah. to the club welcome, welcome to the club, to the club yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah it's, it's, it's really hard and I think a lot of people really really when they actually listen to themselves find sharing quite scary like mm. the mother wound for women is really big you know sisterhood wound is huge um, where we talk about women supporting women but actually do I feel safe around you so that links in with the whole nervous system of like do I feel safe around these people? So it's it's about doing that beautiful inner work with each other whilst building that safety, whilst building that trust. And some connections will go off after it, some won't, and that's life, isn't it? Mm. But it's it's offering that space to be able to to do I, that. I really. think that's that's you touched on one of the most hardest parts of wanting to do any of this kind of work and self improvement and to develop a growth mindset is that you will change, and therefore the relationships you have with the people around you will change Mm -hmm. and some of them will change for the better Mm. but actually you may lose people Mm. along the way as well as gaining brand new people that we've met because we've both gone into an environment that maybe we weren't getting something that we needed elsewhere so things like circles group programs we've done group programs ourselves as a couple and individually 
because you're going to meet those like-minded people that maybe can make that transition mm. that little yeah. bit more easier. Yeah. When I first started doing this work, I realised that I felt quite isolated and alone and that's why I stopped doing it. Yeah. And that bungee I was talking about yeah, yeah. pings me back to the safety of, well, all right, my life wasn't perfect, but at least I felt safe within it and I knew my role. Yeah. And even though I was numbing out every night, it's like <laughs> suddenly that felt like the best thing on earth Yeah, again. I get completely Do get you know what, what you're mean? saying there. So, yeah. so it's, it's, I think that's such a key thing. God, there's so many avenues that. with this podcast to go it's down. Know, <laughs> I know. Like, oh, the, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the thing I definitely want to speak on is the superpower element yeah 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 so i've just worked out through this podcast and maybe some of the people listening yeah, yeah. to uh we're highly sensitive mm-hmm. and to some people yeah that could as we spoke of before could feel of a weakness yeah but you're saying no no it's a superpower Absolutely. this is awesome yeah how so so when we can really look after ourselves as highly sensitive people we can look after our nervous systems we can start showing up more confident and more resilient ultimately we have the most incredible intuition yes maybe for a lot of us me included trauma life stress everything meant i didn't hear that voice but when we can peel back those layers we have the most strong incredible inner voice and intuition it comes back to that innate trait about sensing danger as animals you know but that's why I think leaders, highly sensitive leaders, like, I mean, you look at who's leading at the world at the moment. I'm really sorry, but it needs to change. Donuts. Like, apps. <laughs> if, imagine if you had highly sensitive people there that, that, that were able to tune in with their emotions, that were emotionally resilient, that were able to listen to those voices, that had the most incredible compassion and empathy for other humans, mm. and actually considered that first and foremost of how this is going to impact on everyone around you. But you can see things coming a mile off yeah Mm. so as a leader or as a highly sensitive person that's incredible you can put action in place whatever that looks like you can you can implement that so as a leader you can hire the right people you can put the right systems in place to make sure that you can be more resilient Mm. but it, it, it serves you as a person as a highly sensitive person to be able to be like i'm gonna listen to my gut what's it telling me these are the actions that i'm gonna take and just knowing that like our emotions our sensitivity our empathy are absolutely beautiful Mm. like we can unpack all these conditioning that we've been given as humans about sensitivity being a weakness we can dismantle all this shit bullshit beliefs about sensitivity Mm. we can start to model what it looks like Mm. to be sensitive to young people because there'll be highly sensitive children out there that are equally thinking there's something wrong with them. So we can be showing up in the world, showing them that sensitivity is amazing, our emotions are amazing, crying is amazing, shouting, screaming in the right environment is amazing. But it, it ultimately has everything mm. to thrive in, in, in this world, as long as, like I say, we're looking after ourselves and we've learned to put boundaries in place yeah. and we've learned to not soak up the energy of other people um, and we've done the work, like we've done that inner work to kind of peel off all those layers. Mm. I love, I love everything you said. Then you made me have this thought too. It, m- it must be somewhat easier to coach highly sensitive people in the term of when you mentioned the leaders and people that seem to not have mm. any emotion. They're just cold mm-hmm, and this mm-hmm, bitterness mm-hmm. and anger, yeah, uh, and and very tactical thinking mm-hmm. to to get them to start feeling yeah and to work with that because when you can 
you know, you work with a kid mm -hmm. and they just see him straight away angry at something. Yeah. I hate school, I hate this, I, ha yeah. I can work with that because that's an emotion. Yeah. I can build on you, yeah. we can change mm -hmm. that or we can play with that mm -hmm. and you're thinking something, you're feeling something, you're yeah. showcasing something. Yeah. And that excites me. Yeah. Uh, but then for people to come in and they don't know, I'm, I'm not bothered, yeah. I, I don't... I, just feels this this numbness yeah that's hard to bring out its shell isn't it absolutely and i think to thrive in any area it doesn't have to be in the workplace but i think to thrive like to be a person that people feel safe to come and be themselves yeah mm. the best leaders i've ever had have made me feel safe yeah to show up exactly what i need to do in that moment yeah and the reason actually one of the catalysts for me that i didn't mention earlier was being told by a female leader in the corporate world you are too sensitive. Well, I was having panic attacks at the time. I, I, was, I was crying every day at work. She told me, you're too, way too sensitive. You cry the whole time. You shouldn't show your team, because I was a manager. Shouldn't show your team, you're crying. Um, you're not a good enough manager if you're sensitive. You need to be more like him. Mm, and wow. I just, I, I saw these people and like my intuition was going, what, what the fuck is this world? Who's like, that? <laughs> is this what we're supposed to be modeling? Like, yeah. And it literally, now I look back and it's like, it was either like, like you say, the stone cold leaders that showed you nothing or the ones that would try and do that and then flip out and bang tables or like mm. slam phones and scream at you. And it's like, mm. oh, my nervous system when the workplace was shot. Yeah. I was like sat there like, well, I'm never going to go to you and I'm never going to open up to you. This is literally why I had to work for myself. Yeah, I had to I'm be self-employed because yeah. in every environment, I've never felt safe and I've never felt worthy. Mm -hmm. And I just have this fear of being told what to do and yeah. being in someone else's time yeah. and not feeling good enough for them anyway mm. yeah i think that that does transcend for my mum she's a very powerful lady and has always sort of demanded things to be a certain way yeah. so then when i've been confronted by that in the workplace mm. i've just put this big red red yeah. red to a bull up and i'm, I'm not doing that yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. been punch-ups in workplaces yeah, to be yeah. honest yeah I hear <laughs> it you. wasn't good yeah, but I hear you with that. yeah I th to just be shown respect yeah to just be shown love appreciation kindness and then stern tellings yes. when you've done something mm. justified yeah. that needs a telling for yeah i can put up with that because all the other stuff you've shown me and showcased to me already we've got this rapport we've got this understanding yeah but to just turn up and be Fucking do that! Fucking do that! And you're like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm mm. not sold. So I'm out. I'm yeah, out. Absolutely, yeah. and I think that's why I say the term a lot: sensitive badass. Mm. Because someone said to me once, I, like I was really, I was really triggered. She, she said to me, "Well, you're highly sensitive as a coach, aren't you? So I bet you don't really d do any difficult conversations." And I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck? Like, I've worked really hard on my boundary setting, actually. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's, it's dismantling that as well. Like, you can be highly sensitive and incredibly empathetic." and have some incredibly difficult conversations and still make that person mm. feel seen and heard and safe. My, my really good friend, and she did this podcast, the best teacher I've ever met. Do you know when somebody you just go, oh, mm -hmm. thank God you're in that role. <laughs> you found your thing. Yeah. And she didn't get the promotion. At the time, she's just had it now. Yesterday, actually. Well done, Helen. Yay. Um, <laughs> but she got told she couldn't have that promotion because mm. she was too sensitive. Mm. And when you said that then, I just felt this anger emerge yeah. I was like I can't believe yeah. people What's do that like to yeah. people yeah yeah but I think it's that it's a, a lot of the word that comes to my mind when, when you two were talking then was is control yeah mm. and a lot of 
any organisation, whatever it is, and sometimes even a family unit, it, there's an element of control where there are strong ideas about how things should be, how behaviour should be, what emotions are acceptable, what emotions aren't acceptable. And it's only by being curious about it can we begin to think, is this really working for everyone? Now, if one in five of us are highly sensitive, what about the other 80%, mm. the other four? That doesn't mean they have no emotions. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. mean they can't yeah. feel any sensitivity. Far from it. We're mm. emotional beings. Yeah. All of us in one form or another. From my perspective as a male, when we go back to the horrific suicide statistics, yeah. in, in, a, in a man's world, why is it that when all the cards are stacked in our favour, there's three, four times yeah. as many men killing themselves as yeah. women? Why is yeah. that? And, and being curious about that most yeah. horrific of statistics for me, you, we can then work back from that and say, well, actually, maybe the guy that's saying like, oh, you know, this doesn't bother me. Yeah. That we were going back earlier. How he many is. times do you, do you read awful stories? And it's like, we never knew. Yeah. Yeah. They always seem so happy and had it together. Yeah. Like The mask. Yeah. So I think it's just being curious about this and, yeah. and encouraging wherever you sit on the sensitivity spectrum yeah. Yeah. or how in tune you are as a person ultimately I think I said this when I did the radio show review all of us when we put our head on the pillow at night are left with our own heads yeah. and our own emotions mm. if that for you more often than not is a decent place to be mm. wherever you are with sensitivity however well the world's working for you or not mm -hmm. I think you're doing okay yeah, yeah. It's a nice way of looking at if, things. If it isn't, and only each of us can answer that as individuals, yeah, yeah. It, at best, I think you've been a bit naive and you're fooling yourself that just you can spend a game. whole life like that yeah. and be okay. Yeah. And I think that's the way I choose to look at it because I can feel compassion for earlier stages in my life when I was that person going to bed at night with that screaming yeah. inside of like this isn't how I want to feel this isn't who I want to be da, 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 da. then wake up the next day with a big smile on my face and be a right lad in a football dressing room yeah, yeah. to survive I think this it, there's just something there for me that that if we really really want to make jumps as individuals opportunities there to do that in small groups mm -hmm. opportunities are there with more and more people opening doors for other people to come together in different ways I hope that continues. Mm. I hope that when people bad rep social media for that kind of triggering response, that polarised, you either agree with me or you're against me, that kind of yeah. thing. Cancel culture. Maybe that is just reflective of where the collective we's got to as a species mm. yeah. right now. Our emotional intelligence collectively isn't quite there. However... There are pockets within social media everywhere of absolute beauty and connectedness mm. and authenticity. And I, I hope, my hope is long after I'm gone, that, that individuals, communities and, and the Western world especially decides actually maybe there's a different way yeah. and a better way that benefits everybody rather than just a select few. And even though select way. few, are they really, are they really doing okay? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But I, yeah. That's the kind of stuff I like to think about. I yeah. love, because it's love hearing it. Yeah, it's important. I like I like the feeling of there's always another way. Yeah, because I think that's where people and we've discussed it on this mm. podcast fall short. Is mm. I've been told to do this. I've tried this. It didn't work. And that's that. 
So to always believe, ah, oh, there's a lesson within that somewhere, yeah. and I'm going to go and take that lesson that I enjoyed and take it on this route and yeah. try something new out mm. too. Oh, and Absolutely. by the way, I can be a right fucker sometimes. You know what I mean? I can I can react to that trigger. It can be in some moments for me, like I've not done any work sometimes. <laughs> and that's when you really, that's where, that's for, for me certainly what resilience means. Yeah. It's experiencing that and going, oh shit, and not thinking, well, that's a load of bollocks. Mm drowning in shame. I think it's it's yeah. really it can be really easy to do in the early days of doing this work but but it's just like you know what I'm going to forgive myself and I'm going to hold myself for that behavior and I'm going to do better next time if I possibly can yeah I like what you said about social media mm. and the way you turn your attention to yeah do you find in your coaching you have to approach social media quite a lot and mm. have conversations surrounding that oh social media um yeah, it, it ebbs and flows with me in terms of like how it affects me energetically. Um, I think I think generally when I'm in really good energy, like social media is incredible for connection. And I think, you know, I started my business in lockdown. Like it, it's been incredible. The platforms are amazing. There are some pa- platforms I prefer <laughs> over others. Um, but I have to be very mindful and very conscious. Of, again, coming back to the what am I absor- absorbing? I have to um, be mindful of like if my energy is really depleted like I'm going to do my business and I'm going to come off well I say I'm going to do that and then I'm like unconsciously scrolling but it's okay Um, but also you know who am I connected to sometimes and Mm. I'd openly say to people like I have to mute people in my field a lot of the time just because I'm like I have to stay in my lane and I'm highly sensitive I pick up on stuff without even noticing it so it's like I just have to be really mindful of that energetically but I think overall when we can be conscious and selective about how we're using it and who we're connected to, it's absolutely incredible. Mm. Um, it really, really is. How about you? For me, it's about being in the driving seat and mm. about choice. And I would actually widen it from social media, actually, to phone management. Yes, yeah, good yeah, yeah. So I don't have a single notification on my phone at all, other than an hourly set of affirmations that's cool. That are meaningful to me. That I that I know that whatever happens in the preceding hour, when I open my phone, yeah. there's going to be one, sometimes two, or even three affirmations there that will bring me back to to that centre we've been speaking oh, about. Any that come to mind? Yeah, just I am good enough. That's is a, a little, massive yeah, one yeah. for me. Um, I am enough. Um, the, the enough thing. Yeah. When that stumble, and that was a recent discovery. The reason you've created these characters you've acted in the way you've acted is all from this feeling of never being enough yeah. 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 and when i got told that i was like oh, why how did you know yeah. <laughs> it was it's such a, a big discovery I, the enough i love that i think my favorite one is actually the only thing i know for certain is that i know nothing I know, for yeah, certain yeah and that for me is like <laughs> that, was a that, that helps discovery. keep like eddie ego yeah in a little bit of check when i start feeling like oh you know what i'm starting to get this self-development stuff nailed you know i'm a fucking great coach it's like oh hang on (laughs) (laughs) who's talking there yeah i like that Uh, guys we've literally we've done two hours wow joking two hours wow in this heat as well we smashed it well done us would you come back on absolutely of course i think we could turn this into a bit more of a a regular basis couldn't we i love that we could sort of pick a topic yes like the so because mm-hmm. I was really talking about in there there were so many avenues and possibilities mm-hmm. and paths to mm-hmm. trench down yeah we kind of need to pick a topic yeah. and just hammer home 
in that field. Yeah. Would you be up for coming on and being my sort of mental health gurus and guys? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, well, be call it fixing Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Two to one coaching Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, this has been... Thanks for having us. It's man. weird, isn't it, when certain conversations just make you feel a certain way. Yeah. And this is one of those where when we touch on mental health, it grabs me. Mm. I just feel, oh, I don't know what it's doing, but there's this pull. Yeah. I've got the curiosity and yes. this fascination around it of just tell me what you know. Mm. And that, and that is, you're always learning. Yeah. The, the oh, ego, absolutely. when the ego decides, oh, I, get, I know it all now, that's when you need to have a real good conversation 100%. back to self. 100%. But yeah, I've, I've had so many sort of mental health and spiritual conversations and I love that in this one I've learnt so much so Aww. thank you yeah thank really you, thank thanks you. for having us interesting and I love you both as people Aww. can you tell everybody where they can find out everything you do and yeah. where they can get in touch with you shall I go first mm-hmm. um, so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the highly sensitive coach um, my website's www.jessfrost.co.uk and I've got my podcast The Empowering Path Podcast I'm also on LinkedIn as well Jess Frost if you want to find me <laughs> nice work Jess so I am the uh, at the highly sensitive guy on Instagram predominantly other platforms are available mm-hmm. and um, nickedgarcoaching.co.uk is my website if you want more details I'm always up for conversation so just get in touch oh beautiful guys again thank you so much I'll do my bit guys you've been a part of the old farm bus back of the bus sessions podcast I'm going to leave you on this I always do I always will just be nice to one another you beautiful set of buggers (laughs) see you later (laughs) cheers guys